Blog Talk Radio. Looking for informative educational radio and not the same banter, egos for hours, same questions? Then Sports Beat, your alternative, is next as part of Mountain Meadow Productions. Stay tuned. From the studio of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sport. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener. And with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio. We like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spooler. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this mid-January show, the 16th day of January 2020. And thanks again for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio. And uh, 56 years ago yesterday was Super Bowl One between the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs weren't too far from being called the Dallas Texans when they first came into the league. Lamar Hunt, the creator of the AFL and the owner of of the Dallas Texans thought that uh, there was uh, too small of a city for two teams uh, 60, 1960s when the Cowboys came in. So he moved north to Kansas City, Missouri, and called them the Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs changed the logo from the state of Texas with the star uh, right at location of Dallas on the helmet and uh, put the KC and the arrowhead and the rest is history. And so uh, I bring that up because... That many years ago, yesterday, I was at the first Super Bowl. My father took me. We paid $10 for the seat and a dollar, I think, or a dollar and a quarter to park. It's unbelievable how time changes everything. Time is of the essence, as they say, and uh, that's the way uh, it went then. So uh, it was a lot of good, great memories, and uh, now we face Super Bowl. I believe it's 58, and uh, so it goes. Game has changed a lot, and life has changed a lot in those fifty, almost sixty years ago. Kind of lost our innocence, I think, as a as a world. But nonetheless, thanks so much for joining us. And today, uh, we're talking about NFL uniforms and the like. So, you know, we're a sports educational radio show, and so we like to bring educational aspects to the show and. The uniform of uh, football, when you look at it, has certainly changed from the uh, early 1900s, uh, you know, where uh, it was a wool-type jersey. Uh, in those days, uh, the NFL, which was the uh, AFPA, the American Football Players Association, uh, you know, took place in 19, the summer of 1919, as we had mentioned in previous shows, in Ralph Hayes, Canton, Ohio, Hupmobile dealership. If you go to Canton, you'll see the marker, the historical marker, where the Hupmobile dealership was, and that's where he and George Hallis hammered out 
the first details of what would become the richest league in uh, history and of the world, and that is the National Football League. There were uh, two years where it wasn't called NFL, didn't come in until 1922. And, you know, it was interesting because in those days you played, most people in America worked in factories. And so the factory foreman would ask some of the guys that worked there if they'd want to be part of the team. If they did, they would get a uniform and uh, paid for by the company. They may get a couple of bucks more in their paychecks. And they would meet on Sundays, and it's interesting, so, you know, because it hasn't changed in all the years of the National Football League. We still play the games on Sunday, even though we do play on Monday and Thursday and every other day, Saturday. But for the most part, it was uh, a Sunday affair at local parks. And uh, I'd seen some of those parks in Ohio, uh, some of the Midwestern places, the Dayton Triangles. Uh, park is still there. We did a show on that not long ago. It's a baseball field now, but you can walk that field where over 100 years ago the first game took place. The Akron Pros uh, were the first champions. They didn't play championship football then. It was whoever, whomever uh, was in first place became the champion. They didn't play the championship game until 1932-33 where they played it on a uh, blustery cold day in Wrigley Field in Chicago. Around uh, 26,000 people paid to come and see uh, that game, and that was the first of, of course, many, many, many championships uh, as we approach that again this year uh, in the NFL. Just one thing I wanted to say, you know, we had the the segment of our show called uh, Ask Sports beat, and the question comes from uh, Sybil from Waco, Texas, the home of Baylor University, I believe. I've been to Waco, and I remember Baylor uh, as part of the uh, landscape of that uh, city. And Sybil, I, I assume you're female, and so uh, it's an interesting question. You say, Do you think Mike McCarthy will be fired? And You know, you never know in the topsy-turvy world of coaching. You know, you look at Bill Belichick, who's been in New England 24 years, I believe it's been, and Pete Carroll, you know, he's in his 70s, and he was out in Seattle for 14 years. I mean, that's unheard of in sports. And it shows you, um, you know, the ability that these guys had to get there. Of course, uh, Belichick being on on the schneid now, mainly because he doesn't have players, And I've always thought that most coaches are overrated anyway because of the players. The players make the coach. Name me the last coach that won a championship or won anything without a good roster. You know, you look at Phil Jackson, you know, is he really a great coach? Well, you know, they say he is, but he also had some pretty damn good players, you know, when he was in Chicago, when he was in Los Angeles. Um, Now, a lot of these guys, you know, he wasn't very good as a – director of uh, player personnel when he was with the Knicks. There's not a player left that he drafted. Porzingis is gone. He was supposed to be the crowning glory. I still remember when they picked him in the draft that all the Knicks fans booed. You know, so, uh, of course, you know, being a a general manager is a little different than being a coach, but um, we saw Joe Gibbs come back from, you know, the Washington Redskins when they were called that, and he didn't have it anymore, and, you know, there's 
the CBS crew that's on, you know, that tells us everything, but uh, all, all the things we already know. Bill Cowher, you know, they keep talking about him coming back. He hasn't coached in 20 years. The game's passed him by. It's a different league. So I think the players certainly make the coach. But um, to answer your question, Sybil, uh, Mike McCarthy's a good coach. He won at Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and that pretty good team up there in Green Bay. Uh, he comes to Dallas the last three seasons. He was 12-5. and five. Uh, Most teams would give their right arm to be able to be 12-5 and five for one season, let alone three. But the Cowboys, kind of like the Jets, have this aura about them that they just can't seem to win in the playoffs. It's been a long time since they've been there as far as the championship. They're kind of like the Jets. You know, the Jets are always snake bit. Always something happens to them. Like this year, you know, Rodgers was supposed to be the guru, the, uh, uh, the deity of sports coming in and saving the franchise of the New York Jets. Uh, a lot of sports radio uh, moguls had said, you know, we'll accept nothing less than getting to the Super Bowl. And they went four games. The whole thing was a disaster. Uh, Rodgers ends up getting hurt on the fourth play and uh, it seems to me that that team needs a lot more than Aaron Rodgers. And now, of course, they're back on the bandwagon, beating the drum. You know, next year, you know, Rodgers will be back. Well, next year, unless you fix that offensive line, you have a 40-year-old quarterback, 41-year-old quarterback, with an Achilles injury. I wouldn't be real assured that uh, they're going to be in the promised land with a situation like that. But McCarthy has been a winner. And, you know, we saw Jerry Jones face, uh, it always reminded me of Art Modell, who owned Cleveland Browns. You know, they always used to show him when uh, Elway beat him a couple of years in a row. You know, that face of disgust. And uh, I think Jerry Jones really thought that this was the year that the Cowboys would get to the Super Bowl. Now, I think a lot of people did. I mean, they were basically undefeated at home. Um, they weren't a real great road team. Uh, Dak Prescott is probably as good a quarterback as any when he's on, but he's always inconsistent. He was terrible in the game against Green Bay. I don't think anybody in the country thought Green Bay would come in and dominate the way they did. And so the problem is, you know, do you keep a coach that's been 12-5 and and gotten into playoffs every year but can't get over the hump? And the problem is with Jerry Jones, he's 81 years old now. Now, he is the... Uh, reigning king of owners in the National Football League. He's also the general manager. Uh, he is a hands-on owner. And I don't know if he's going to be patient enough to keep Mike McCarthy, who can't seem to get to the next level. Now, you know, the coach is part of it, but the players have to do the job. And uh, they were just awful. And so, you know, where does the blame go? Does it go on the defensive coordinator? I mean, uh, the Packers were just running through the line, uh, Dallas couldn't stop you or me. Prescott was terrible. His throws were off. His receivers ran wrong patterns. I mean, they look like uh, the bad news bears of football. So in my view, you know, like Sirianni of uh, Philadelphia now, who the Eagles look just absolutely terrible after being 10-1, and one, um, you know, in their defense, they lost their offensive and defensive coordinators who were very highly skilled and ranked in the National Football League. So that had a lot to do with it. I don't know that you're going to fire Sirianni as he's been into the Super Bowl last year. I mean, do you fire a coach that took a team to the Super Bowl and they should have won? The Eagles should have won last year. So my 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 thought is that Jerry Jones 
maybe because of his age, he's 81, as I said, uh, how many more Super Bowls can he look forward to? And believe me, it's not easy to get there. I don't care how good you are. We see great teams all the time lose before they ever get to a championship. So I think it's 50-50. I think Jerry Jones' age might have something to do with a coaching change. Maybe he wants to bring Belichick in. I don't know that Belichick's the answer either. Um, you know, he's uh, certainly, a, a, you know, a great coach, but he's also a great players. And uh, can he get the Cowboys over the hump? The Cowboys uh, kind of are a team that just has a hex on them. They just can't seem to, you know, get over that hump of getting the, you know, what, what good is a great season? We saw the Boston Bruins last year have a historic season lost uh, the minimal of games in the history of NHL, and then they get knocked out by the Florida Panthers on their home ice. So what good was the season? Well, it was historic, but it didn't get you anywhere. It got you in the history books, which is fine, but you didn't. Uh, this was a team that was supposed to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, do you fire everybody? Of course, when you, when you fire a coach and you bring another coach and you bring in another system, and it's not always a system that some players are accustomed to. Uh, we saw that in Buffalo with Josh Allen when he came out of Wyoming. Uh, he wasn't a great quarterback for the first couple of years, and, and there was some talk, uh, serious talk in the Buffalo newspapers that they wanted to trade him. They didn't think he had what it takes, and now look what he's done. So you never know. I, I think it's 50-50. Uh, I, I don't think that he would be fired, but as I said, Jerry Jones' age may have something to do with it. He may want to move on to somebody who he feels can, uh, you know, motivate the team more. That doesn't take anything away from Mike uh, McCarthy. And as far as Sirianni from uh, Philadelphia, I know that wasn't your question, but um, here's a guy who just came off a a Super Bowl. uh, And his team has played. I think when you look at the Eagles, you, you basically look at the offensive and defensive coordinators leaving, very highbrow uh, coordinators, both of them who have left, and the Eagles just seem to have a car with no wheels on it, for the most part. So uh, I think it's a 50-50 chance that McCarthy will stay. We'll see. We'll know probably before the end of the week uh, when Jerry Jones assess, uh, assesses what he has. Uh, you know, where's Harbaugh going to go? There's talk about him going to uh, the Chargers. The Chargers certainly need a, a lamp under their rear ends. And uh, then, of course, uh, Belichick has just interviewed with uh, the Atlanta Falcons. So we'll see. I I think those players, those coaches, uh, will not go to any teams other than ones that have a winning roster. I can't see Belichick going to, uh, you know, a a team with not a very good record. Uh, Atlanta has some some pretty good talent, and uh, so certainly does the Chargers, even though neither one of them are are great winners. So uh, that answers the question to that, I think, Sybil. Thanks for the question. As far as the uniforms, uh, you know, we talked about uniforms the other day. Uh, People like teams on two reasons. One is geographical location. You know, if you live in New York, you're probably a Giant or a Jet fan. Uh, You know, if you live in Chicago, you're probably a Bears fan. Uh, Family has a lot to do with it. Fathers, you know, who watch a certain team, their sons usually and daughters will watch the game and start to become fans of that team. But uniforms also are a major part, and that's, uh, we talked about it before, that's what made the American Football League so popular, because the uniforms were so colorful. You know, the red, white, and blue of the Boston Patriots with that very cool, one of the coolest um, 
logos in sport, that, that hiking patriot on the helmet. You know, very creative. Uh, there were, there were um, several teams in, in the National Football League that didn't even have uh, logos on their helmet. At one point, the Bears didn't have it. You know, or just that plain C. Or, uh, you know, Nebraska, University of Nebraska, uh, having that N, that little N that they've always had on their helmets. You know, not very creative, even though that's college. But still, um, the American Football League had the color. You know, they had the Chargers with that blue powder jersey, which is still one of the largest selling jerseys with the, you know, the lightning bolt on it. And, uh, you know, you had the... Uh, Broncos later, after they had those hideous mustard and brown uniforms, the, the orange with the bucking Bronco. Uh, you know, you had um, the Oilers with the oil derrick. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I've mentioned this before on previous shows. When um, the AFL was formed and uh, Lamar Hunt put together some of his friends, one of them was Bud Adams, who owned the Houston Oilers. He uh, was a very wealthy oil man, as was uh, Lamar Hunt, the Hunt family. And uh, Lamar Hunt actually wanted Columbia Blue for the Chiefs, uh, which were then the Dallas Texans. And uh, somehow Bud Adams beat him to it and took Columbia Blue, and uh, red was left for the Chiefs. But the Chiefs were supposed to uh, be Columbia Blue, which was kind of interesting. You know, it's hard to picture the Kansas City Chiefs wearing blue because they've had basically the same uniform. Uh, since their inception, you know, those white pants with the red and yellow uh, stripe down the s- side, the red jerseys. I mean, they, they really haven't had uh, – you talk about a team that hasn't had much change over the years. Of course, the helmet changed from the uh, Dallas Texan logo to the Kansas City Chiefs arrowhead. Uh, the arrowhead has been somewhat tapered over the years. Back in Super Bowl One, I, I remember the uh, Chiefs arrowhead was very, very big. I think it was just white with the red KC, and it didn't have the black trim uh, around it. But um, uniforms uh, basically, you know, took shape. They were wool in those days and in the 20s, you know, when the league started. And I I can't imagine wearing a wool mixture sweater. Some of them didn't have numbers. Uh, They played in local parks where people would come and watch and basically laugh. I mean, you know, grown men. The NFL was, was more of a laughing stock than it was uh, entertainment. Actually, it was entertainment because people got a good charge out of grown men running up and down, banging into each other. And they certainly weren't in the kind of shape that today's player is or even yesteryear's player. Because the college game in those days was, was huge. I mean, they were getting 60,000, 80,000 people to watch the likes of uh, Red Grange and Doc Blanchard and all these people, uh, you know, who ran the ball uh, exclusively for college teams because most of the teams were running teams. And so the uniform was kind of baggy pants, more canvas-type pants. The helmet was leather. Uh, in the early days of the NFL, it was not mandatory to wear a helmet. And if you look at some of the pictures of the early 20s, the decade of the 20s, a lot of players, uh, there were several players that didn't have them. Bill Hewitt was one, didn't wear a helmet. Um, Just like hockey players didn't wear masks before the 70s. Many of them didn't like the feeling of a mask. Jacques Pont was the first goaltender to wear a mask, and he was made fun of. Uh, by a lot of players, you know, but, uh, you know, when you look back at it and you, you you think, you know, how insane is it not to wear a mask as a hockey goalie? How insane is it not to wear a helmet 
uh, even in those days when when you uh, got tackled, your head would hit the ground, and you know, no, you know, who knows what would happen. So that leather helmet, um, in some ways, was extremely protective because it was thick, it was leathery. Uh, I didn't have face masks, but um, it was more contour to the head. Most of the players looked like gladiators with those helmets. And then, of course, uh, probably not until the late 40s, early 50s, did the face masks come in. Some of the face masks were actually fiberglass instead of the bar. Um, then later on, you saw linemen in the 60s come up with what they called the birdcage mask, which was uh, kind of like a cage. And they, some of them still wear it, but now there's all kinds of adaptations. You remember Bob Greasy's and um, uh, Terry Bradshaw's face mask, a little different than everybody else's. Uh, I remember Mike Garrett, who had the uh, nose uh, U kind of thing that came from the top of the helmet to protect the nose with the two-bar crossbar uh, face mask. And then a lot of the quarterbacks in those days, they all wore single-bar masks, you know, when you, uh, face masks when you look at Bart Starr and uh, I believe Unitas wore a double mask, uh, but many of them wore single masks. Uh, most of the kickers wore single masks, and, of course, the NFL has outlawed that now. Uh, you cannot wear the single mask, uh, single bar anymore. But uh, the uniform developed uh, into numbers. Uh, the NFL, all the way through, this, almost all the way through the late 60s, didn't have names on the back of the jerseys. That was something that the N uh, NFL didn't do. Uh, the uniforms were fairly drab. You know, you had white on the road, white jerseys, white pants. And then, of course, you had the uh, – most of them had just, you know, bland colors. Uh, some of them were very cool. Uh, you know, Dallas had the bl uh, blue jerseys that they almost never wore. Uh, they always wore white at home and on the road unless they played Cleveland or the Rams. Those two teams always wore white. Rams always had that very cool blue jersey when they had Roman Gabriel with the blue helmet and the white horns still think that's a very iconic helmet. Uh, I don't like the, the modernism of uh, this, the new one that they have with uh, Stafford quarterbacking the, the uh, Rams. And then the jersey went from kind of a basic uh, sweater type thing to having numbers on it. Uh, and uh, then it went to kind of a, a flannel type jersey. Uh, those things didn't really hold up well. It wasn't like in the days of today where companies like Nike and, and uh, Reebok and all these supply the teams with endless jerseys and, and equipment and so forth. Uh, you had to make use of your jersey in those days. You got one, and uh, if it tore, the, you, you had to sew it. I don't think they had equipment managers then back in the 20s. And uh, the jersey... Uh, for the most part, was a long sleeve jersey, and we saw that really through the 60s and even in the early 70s, the jersey started to become three-quarter sleeve. And if you look at Super Bowl one and two and some of those early Super Bowls, you'll notice that a lot of the players, particularly linemen, had the quarter sleeves. They went up to the forearm. And there's, of course, now uh, you know the, the uniform has changed. The jersey has changed now to short sleeves. Now they have the uh, kind of the U thing that goes under the armpit and fits tightly against the pad. Um, they have an Airwick jersey now that uh, uh, they they back in the 70s and 80s they had a lot of uh, mesh type jerseys which allowed the uh, players to breathe to get the uh, kind of the sweat and everything. Uh, to escape through the little holes in the mesh. 
Uh, a lot of them during that period, if you look at the 70s and even the 80s, they had the silkscreen uh, numbers, those rubberized numbers that are actually imprinted on the jersey. Some teams had sew-on numbers. Most of them had the uh, superimposed silkscreen uh, numbers. And some of them, some of the players, you know, when you dry those, a lot of times the numbers would melt. And there were a few players that had jerseys with uh, numbers that weren't quite complete with the number because they had melted from, from the dryer. But now all of the teams use a uh, sew-on uh, nameplate with the letters of their last name as well as the sew-on numbers. And it's interesting because the jerseys now came, kind of went back to what they were in the 50s and 60s, more of a solid-type jersey uh, with the mesh on the ribs. Uh, and it's kind of an airwick type thing where it's uh, the technology of it, much like baseball and basketball jerseys, where they uh, absorb the sweat and kind of turn it into uh, a cooling type of uh, the technology is, uh, you know, it's unbelievable compared to what they used to have. Uh, I remember the NBA jerseys back in the 70s. Uh, I had a few of them, actual game jerseys, and they were difficult to wear. They were so scratchy. I don't know how the players wore them. Uh, they would chafe the nipples, and uh, a lot of players had to put band-aids over their nipples to, to keep the nipples from being chafed from the from the uh, uh, the roughness of the jersey. Now, uh, NBA jerseys are almost like uh, toilet paper. They're just thin and, and very, very, very comfortable, form-fitting, and they are uh, with air wick technology uh, as our baseball. Uh, jerseys way back in the early times of uh, baseball, even in the 60s. Uh, you look at pictures of Mickey Mantle and some of the other players; they all wore flannel, and flannel doesn't really hold up real well. It's it, it gets crunchy, um, the letters kind of droop, and uh, by you know by mid-season, all of those uniforms uh, are are in need of repair. So the the NFL uniform, if you look really at the first Super Bowl. And now you look at the players of today, the uniform really hasn't changed a whole lot. I think the technology of it has. Uh, the shoes certainly have. You know, there was that famous game way back uh, in yesteryear where the Giants played and uh, they, they switched to sneakers. It was called the sneakers game. Uh, and they ended up winning the game because they wore sneakers. They were able to get better traction. The other team had uh, their, their uh, cleats that uh, apparently didn't work as well. Uh, so somebody got the idea to wear sneakers, and, and they were able to get the traction and, and, and win the game. Uh, the Denver Broncos, who haven't had a uniform change probably in 30 years, I think the last uniform change they had was back in 95 or 6 when Elway was there. But if you remember, they have that, uh, that kind of a horn-type thing that goes from the side up. It forms like a horn right at the clavicle. And what that was was uh, the first time where uh, they would have stretch material where the jersey would actually stretch to give the players more comfort. Uh, many of the players, particularly linemen, uh, actually have the equipment manager sew their jerseys to the point where they are so tight that you couldn't grab a fingerful of fabric, and that keeps them from being held uh, every once in a while, you do see some holding with a jersey, but for the most part, uh, you know, they have the uh, linemen have them rectified to be able to have minimal fabric to grab on. So the jersey of today um, basically is 
high technology. Uh, of course, we have several jerseys now. I think the NBA is is a is a good example where most of the teams have probably five or six different jerseys. And of course, that's all about money because the more jerseys they have, the more money they make as uh, they get a cut of every jersey that is sold to the fans uh, through the licensing agreement. So we've seen, you know, uh, the jersey go from wool to a type of um, kind of a, a fabric of flannel a little bit. Then it went to the nylon uh a holder in there and so forth. And uh, for the most part, it's been uh, a situation where, you know, uh, the players have uh, spoken about it and made sure that uh, the uh, the innovators of companies who, who make jerseys and stuff make them as, as comfortable as possible. And um, it's an interesting uh, situation now with jerseys and uh, and uniforms really haven't changed a whole lot but they have changed in the technology well that'll about do it for our show today thanks so much for joining us on this segment of sports beat radio talk and sports today we're talking about the history of uh, the nfl uniform the jersey and so forth and some of the ideas that came forth well, of course, the playoffs continue this weekend now. The divisional things that are happening. Uh, Buffalo will now host the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the first game that Patrick Mahomes has been on the road for as far as uh, the playoffs. We'll see where that goes. Uh, the Dallas Texans will be uh, in the mix. A lot of people think that they could go pretty far. And, of course, uh, the uh, Ravens and the 49ers now, after the bye, uh, will take on uh, their nemesis. We'll see how that goes. Sports Beat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions, the Sports Beat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.